Happy Good Friday to everyone in uh, the internet world, I guess in this case, Instagram world. Thank you for joining us for our Good Friday service. Uh, tonight we're going to be looking at Jesus and the uh, greatest expression of love ever shown. God sending his son to live, yes, but to die on the cross for us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's the key. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And here's our insight. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He uh, endured the cross, despising the shame uh, for the joy that set before him. God, this was his plan. He loves us. And so this is a somber night in a sense because we think about our Savior, this innocent, perfect you know, man to ever live, the only one, and uh, dying on the cross for all of our sins. But this was all part of God's plan to redeem us. So it was, it was the joy that was set before him. So we're going to worship him because that is what he wants from us. And so, we, again, we thank you for joining us. Let's pray and we'll get started, Lord. We thank you so much for each person joining in right now. And we thank you for uh, what, what you did, sending your son to die on the cross. And we want to just look at that this evening and we would just glory in how good you are Lord how much love you have for us Lord and that it would change us and we'd be made to be more like you Lord so help us to worship with all of our hearts to sing our praises to you and to be so thankful in our hearts because you've been so so good to us we praise you in Jesus name amen let's worship Oh 
you are good, and we just thank you for the price that you paid for our sins. We worship you, and we thank you for the life that you lived and sacrificed so that we could be free, so that we could be forgiven. And we thank you for paying that price tonight. We reflect on that. We reflect on who you are and what you did.
Technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to a full-blown live service. You gotta have the microphone with you when you come up. Uh, well, thank you guys for again, thank you for joining us and uh, being a part of this wherever you are. Uh, it's uh, it does feel unifying to be in this together. Uh, I gotta say. I just, especially tonight, was so missing having everyone here for worship because it sounded so good. And it was so like, uh, I hopefully you sense that out there, but we are missing one another and I cannot wait till we're back together. Um, I know God is using this season, but I, am, I know we're all missing each other. So uh, we're praying it's a short season and that when we do get to be back together, that it'll be that much more sweet and we won't take any of that for granted. We will enjoy each other that much more and we'll worship 
that much harder, and uh, man, we have so much to be thankful for. So, if you'd open up your Bibles to John chapter 19, we're not going to do the stand up and read thing. We'll do that on Sunday. Uh, we would love for you to join us on Sunday uh, for YouTube, on YouTube for our, our normal, we've been doing that on Sundays, where we do like a, a launch on that premiere at 10 o'clock, and that will be our Easter service. So uh, we'd love to have you join with us on that. Also, we would love to have you share with people if, if you think that they would be impacted by the good news of the gospel. This has been interesting because very it's it's a lot of people are hearing or uh, listening to messages that normally wouldn't and so we do see God is using this season so um, be bold if you feel like you're supposed to share whether it's us or someone else whatever the whole point is that people hear the good news of the gospel and that those who are seeking will find those who are knocking will have will be answered to them and so we want to be a part of that if if the Lord chooses so John chapter 19, we will pray and then we will get started. Lord, thank you for this time, uh, this evening, God, that we can come together and we pray that you'd speak to us through your word, by your word, and we would hear from you and uh, that our eyes would be opened to what you did some 2,000 years ago on that cross. So, Lord, um, convict us, change us, make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at John chapter 19, and I, it's, I, Cannon actually read this to me last night. He was doing some of his reading for the day, and he, he read this whole chapter. He said, let's read this, and he read it to me, and I was like, this is so good. I said, Cannon, guess what? We're doing it exactly on this. This is the one we're going to do it on, so I know you're probably watching at home, bud. Here it is. Uh, so to give a little bit of a context to this, uh, what, what's happened before this is Judas has betrayed Jesus. Peter has denied Jesus and forsaken him, right? Uh, everyone is scattered. The disciples do not know what's going on. They have no idea what's going on. They're extremely confused. They are struggling. Um, and so this is a, a very weird time for them. Uh, you might remember from Palm Sunday, it said the disciples did not understand what, what was going on. They didn't understand the whole you know, triumphal entry. They don't understand any of that. They're going to see it later and they're going to look back and go, okay, but right now there's a lot of confusion. And Jesus is being sent between Jewish leadership and Roman leadership. And so uh, that's kind of the catch you up here. And the message tonight is titled Pilate, the priest, the, the prisoner, and passing the buck. They're all going to make their way into this story. Verse 1. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Pilate not only did not find fault with Jesus, we actually get some insight from Matthew chapter 27. His wife, who seems to be the brains in the operation, is has told him, like, listen, don't have anything to do with this just man. She had a dream, and she's like, we do not want to, to be involved with this. She saw Jesus for who he was. Pilate, he seemed to notice it as well. And so he thought, well, if I scourge him, if I... 
do this crown of thorns thing. Maybe this will appease the people. And he says, that's why he brings him out. And he says, behold, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know I find no fault in him. I, I've done what I think I should do. Uh, but he was trying to appeal to the masses by punishing him and ridiculing him. We'll see the masses have a hold on Pilate as fear usually does. The masses cause uh, hysteria. The masses cause the people to be moved. Verse 5, then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate said to them, behold, the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Again, Pilate acknowledges that he finds no fault in him. Verse 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went up again to the praetorium, and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it has been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. So Pilate really had recognized that there was something special about Jesus. He recognized that there was obviously, he didn't see any fault in him. Really, there was clearly no fault with Jesus. Like he, all he'd been doing was healing people, helping people. No, there was no fault with Jesus except for he was upsetting the norm, upsetting the powers that be. And so Pilate saw right through that. He saw that this was a petty, petty thing that was between them, him, and the Jews. And so he says, I don't want anything to do with this guy. Like, I'm, I'm saying he's innocent. I'm saying he's good. And, and they said, well, he says that he's the son of God. And Pilate freaks out. Because he recognized, he's like, wait a minute, now he's even more scared. Now he's even more concerned. So he says, pulls Jesus aside, so who are you, by the way? He just asks him, who are you, Pilate's like, uh, and Jesus says, why do, I'm not telling you, is, what does it matter? And Pilate's like, are you seriously not going to answer me? He's like, I have the power to kill you or to let you live. And then, of course, we see Jesus. He says, I have the power to crucify you, the power to release you. And then Jesus says, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. So he's trying to coerce Jesus. He's trying to strong arm Jesus. He's trying to elevate himself to get what he wants. And Jesus is having nothing to do with it because he says, Pilate, you think you're in charge. They think they're in charge. But all everyone who's doing all, all this coming together is a plan from above. There's something way bigger going on than you could ever possibly imagine. We're going to talk about this more on Sunday. But there's so much more going on than you could ever possibly figure in your brain. So you think you have power, you do not. They think they have power, they do not. The will of the Father is 
being accomplished. This is good news. But, and it also is leveling, especially for leaders or governors, whatever, especially the Roman variety, they were brutal. They were not used to people talking back. They were not used to people having uh, that, that kind of boldness. And Jesus says, I fear, I am not scared of you. And you do not have authority like you think you do. Both sides are trying to, we have the priests on, on one side, or the religious leaders on one side, and we have Pilate on the other side. Pilate full on knows there's nothing wrong with Jesus. He knows that there's something actually special about him, something like that he can see, man, this guy is different. There's something about him that I can't put my finger on. They're saying he's the son of God. That freaks me out because I think he might be. And then you have the religious leaders who don't care if he's the son of God. He's a nuisance to them. And they're trying to look good by not being the ones to crucify him because they don't want to break their own rules. They're saying this guy needs to die, but we're not the ones that want to do it. So the priests don't want the blood on their hands. Pilate doesn't want the blood on his hands. One is coming from a place of, of pure evil and self-indulgence. And then that would be the... the Leaders, the religious leaders, the priests. The other side would be that of cowardice, right? Pilate kind of knows, but he's scared. He doesn't know how to handle this because the people want this. So he's like, he's in a rough position, right? And then, and then they drop the bomb. If you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. There was major upheaval going on at this time. It was very politically divided. The Romans were in charge of, of the Jews, and they did not like it. So this little thing where they're helping each other out, this was not like a, a happy thing, right? And we're going to see the Jews even say, Caesar is our king. <laughs> they're working together, but this is a messed up time. They are extremely divided. That's why they wanted the Messiah to come and change the political landscape. This is what the Messiah will do. He will set this earth right. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're looking too small. You're looking at this earth. You think that there's going to be problems here? Oh, yeah. This place is marred by sin and death. I'm going to teach you about a bigger, higher kingdom. And in this kingdom, it's a total different mindset. You will see everything completely different. But this is a kingdom worth living for. This is a kingdom worth dying for. I've mentioned it many, many times. This has been the thing, the theme, the death to lesser gods, the death of, of false gods. As we start to see our gods crumble around us, all the things we thought were so important. Uh, uh, Jed sent us a, he's here. Yeah, you guys know this is live. Uh, the Hulk Hogan quote, right? It was a Hulk Hogan preaching the gospel. You know the Lord's coming back soon. Hulk Hogan's preaching. That's okay. That is a power move, God. Thank you. All right. Not really, but um, that's awesome. And he was saying, like, our celebrities, are, are, where are they? They're not here. Sports figures, athletes, not, all these things that we've bowed there, all of a sudden they're in silence, and everything is taken a back seat. It, I usually, we usually have the illusion that, that things are under control. Maybe growing up as a kid, you kind of always thought your parents had things under control. Now as a parent, we know we do not. We do not have things under control. We're figuring it out as we go. And I think we're kind of figuring that out even here and now. 
things that you don't expect, I start to realize there's things in my mind that I expect to work. And I think, oh, no, they'll make that work. Oh, that will be fine. Oh, well, the, the, I got a picture today, Gabby sent of the 78 freeway underwater. That doesn't happen. The freeway doesn't, isn't engulfed in water. That can't be. And so there's like this, no, but they have to have figured out a way so that doesn't, that kind of thing doesn't happen. This is, this is a, a clue that this world, we have no idea. But God does. He does know. And so if we're trying to live by the world standards or to appease these false or lesser gods, we will find that we are, uh, we are not where we're supposed to be. And that is Pilate's in a very, very rough position because he's scared of Caesar, he's scared of the people, but he also knows that Jesus is the real thing. Well, seemingly. What's interesting is, as time goes on, I kind of think Pilate is the one who, who uh, you know, the parable of the sower, who he got a glimpse of it, and then the weeds came and sucked it right up. Because as it goes on, we'll see Pilate will eventually be setting guard to make sure no one comes and steals the bodies. He eventually goes hardcore, hardens his heart, and it does not turn out good for him. But God was appealing to him. We see this. It's actually a couple times if you see that uh, even uh, Paul, when he's he's dealing with with leaders, leadership, uh, they they're like, oh, I almost would think about becoming a Christian. You know, he's like, please do. Like, there's parts of them that are their hearts are pricked, and they see. But it's not just having your heart pricked. That's that's important first step. But it's following through from that point. So you got one side that's hardened beyond belief. The other side that's interested. They but they're getting. They are getting completely um, taken out because they fear men more than they fear God. And they care about what men think more than what God thinks. Um, we all, we're going to see, though, that God is in charge. And all these men who are thinking they're running the show, it's all about to be thrown on, the, on their head. They have no idea. The whole thing is about to be, uh, just like Jesus in the temple, the tables are going to be thrown. Everything is going to change. And they are going to realize pretty soon, like the centurion, um, I think we just crucified God. <laughs> well, uh, the earth is shaking. Uh, things are, are cracking in half. I think we might have just crucified God. So that's, anyway. Verse 13, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was a in the, now it was the preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, this is Friday, right? And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Oof. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. This is dirty, dirty stuff here. Nasty, just underhanded. Anyway, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That is the situation we're dealing with here. Verse 17. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place uh, called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and, and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. The writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. 
Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write, King of the Jews. But he said, I am the King of the Jews. Okay, <laughs> it's kind of funny, I think, to me. But Pilate said, I have written what I have written. And maybe this is Pilate trying to somewhat make himself feel better. Like, here, you know, this is the king of the Jews. He said he was He might be, you know, I don't really know what to do with it. Uh, but we, we get a hint that Pilate might believe that he is who he said he is. And, uh, but these guys want nothing to do with it. Nevertheless, the title was accurate. Jesus was, in fact, the king of the Jews. Not just the king of the Jews, the king of us all, right? The king of kings. Uh, verse 23, then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. I, this is from Psalm 22, verse 18. Again, we talked a lot about this last week for the Palm Sunday message. But prophecy shows God is in control. Prophecy shows God has not forgotten a thing. And even though Jesus is in 0% control of what's happening right now, it shows that God is in control as far as physically. He couldn't say, hey, don't tear my stuff while I'm up here. You know, don't tear, you know whatever. That is not what was happening. But God knew, and he continues to reign. Good word for us. The king is on the throne. He continues to reign. He's fulfilling prophecy. He's fulfilling his promises. Verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, which is John, because this is John's gospel, we'll See, on Sunday we'll be going from Mark, but um, in John it says the, the, the disciple, he talks about himself running faster than Peter. In Mark, which is Peter's account, it doesn't say that, which is funny. <laughs> so, you know, a little thing, here you go. Uh, I told Cannon last night, it was like, hey, in John, the one who Jesus loved, that's him. But I, I do love that he knew that. Like, this is the disciple Jesus loved. And we all need to have that same perspective because understanding the love of God shows us our identity, shows us how much we can trust him, and shows us how much that he has a plan in and through our lives. So, so the disciple whom Jesus loves, he says, uh, uh, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son, verse 27. Then he said to this disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they fulfilled us, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Uh, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount on Wednesday nights. Those of you who have been checking that out, you know. Uh, but it says that, that 
Jesus came to fulfill the law. Not one jot or tittle would be removed or forgotten. He's going to fulfill every single little punctuation of the law. And he has fulfilled all the scripture at this point. He recognized he has done it all. Wow. How many of us can say we've done all of anything? <laughs> he, but he has fulfilled everything he was sent to fulfill. This was the mission, and the mission was accomplished. And the disciples and the followers, and so we're disciples of, and followers of Jesus. We are here for a purpose, right? God doesn't do anything on accident. He doesn't say anything on accident. He doesn't redeem any people on accident. Nothing is wasted in the economy or in the eyes of God. Not a person, not time. There's no, we're not to waste it because he doesn't see it as a waste. He wants to use it all. He doesn't forget. He doesn't have a junk pile. He throws, you know, uh, whatever. We'll deal with that right now. But he wants to use us and to, and because he has a purpose for us. Verse 31. I recognize there's, there's a lot of verses here. We're going through 42 verses, but we're cruising right through. Okay. Verse 31. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and, uh, and his testimony is true, and that he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things were done so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they uh, shall look on him whom they pierced. More fulfillment of scripture, fulfillment of prophecy. More, and again, not something Jesus is in control of, right? Uh, usually the Romans, when they crucify someone, they just leave them up and let the birds eat them after they're dead. But the Jews wanted this to be dealt with so that they didn't, uh, violate the Sabbath, you know, because they're very religious. You know, they want to make sure they don't want to uh, displease God at all. And the Sabbath is important. I think it's extremely important. I think God is legit forcing us to rest right now. And that's not bad. That's a good thing, right? Because we need rest. Like literally, again, the 78 freeway shut down. Okay, God's telling us to stay home. <laughs> Just stay home. Just relax. Just trust me. Just rest in me. I got this. But their, their whole perception of it, it was more work to keep the Sabbath than it was to not. And so they had this, everything was twisted up, but they wanted to look good and make everything be right. So they said, let's deal with this so we doesn't bleed over into the Sabbath. So the way you die via crucifixion is not being able to breathe. It's you, you can't breathe and that's how you die. Because they'd be stuck and they'd have to pick themselves up to breathe. When you're slumped over, you can't breathe. And so by breaking their legs, that would take care of it. Because if your legs are broken, you can't push up and you're going to die. They broke the other two prisoners' legs and, and they died. Jesus, they didn't. They checked and they poked the hole poked into his side and out came blood and water, which is the sack around the heart that has the water and it's 
and release. And, but it's all in fulfillment of Scripture. So interesting. More fulfillment of Scripture. After this, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. That'd be a bummer, right? <laughs> you're like in, in the Bible and you're like, you're going to do some cool stuff, but it's all should, should be noted you were secret about it. Not, not anymore. Cats out of the bag, Joseph. For the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury now, in the place where he was crucified, there was uh, a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So, they, there, so there they laid Jesus, because the Jews' preparation day for the tomb was nearby. We see an unlikely character show up, and it's Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus, this brilliant mind who could not figure out how a man could be born again. Jesus, he asks, asks him, John chapter 3, how on earth can a man be born again when he's old? And do I turn, return to my mother's womb? Well, we see Jesus and, and his confrontation with, with Nicodemus and his, his uh, interaction with Nicodemus. Nicodemus didn't give up. He stuck around and he didn't let his questions stop there. And he didn't let his not having it all figure it out, it didn't make him give up on the pursuit. Because now we see Nicodemus much later. And what is Nicodemus doing? He is laying out a ton of money on the body of Jesus. This is a hundred pounds of, of myrrh and aloes. <laughs> this is pretty gnarly. So they came and they're preparing Jesus, but there is no way that they could possibly know what they're preparing him for. Little did they know what was coming next. The scene was set, completely set for Sunday. Is there any doubt now that God was in control? To everyone who's there, no one thinks he's in control. No one knows what's going to happen next. We're going to see that they go to the tomb, but they're not expecting Jesus to be there. They're not expecting him to, to be out of it. They're expecting him to be in the tomb dead. No one expected it, but looking from our view, man, how clearly is God in control? But I think there's, there's a couple of things that would be worth looking at and kind of going with our title. Uh, Pilate, priest, prisoner, and passing the buck. First, Pilate, you can be a pilot tonight, not like flying planes, but a pilot where you recognize that God is calling you or maybe even showing you, revealing to you who he is. And maybe you've heard it before, but there's just too many other things, too many other pressures, too much in the way of commitment. Uh, sacrifice is something that we don't know what to do with sacrifice. When someone sacrifices for us, it makes us feel very awkward. Like, if you pay for me, well, then I have to pay for you, you know. But so we have we struggle with sacrifice and, and we can struggle with those kind of things or or even be called to ask to sacrifice our life to follow Jesus. You will not find peace unless you come to that realization that God is not asking for you to give 
part of your life, but all of it. And so if you're struggling and you're feeling discontent and you're feeling nervous and afraid and you're lacking peace, it's probably because you're holding on to too much of your own life. Pilate did that. He seemed to have a glimpse, but he pulled back. And he missed out. His heart got harder and he missed out on the good things. How beautiful would it have been if we would have seen him turn? We would have seen him change. The priests, they are hard-hearted. They want to look religious. Pilate doesn't care about looking religious. He's actually, as even as Jesus said, like, he's better in this story than them. He's like, you, you believe me, you're not as bad as they are in this story. The, the priests, the, the religious leaders, they were hard-hearted. They were callous. They were brutal. And this was a, uh, this is a terrible place to be. If you find yourself self-righteous, if you find yourself looking good, but knowing full on you're a whitewashed you, you're full of dead man's bones inside, repent. <laughs> Bow before the Lord. Humble yourself before him. If you're Pilate, repent too. If he's touching your heart, say, God, not just don't just touch it, take it, grab it, hold it. Both of them were intent on passing the buck. Both of these two groups were intent on passing the buck, but neither of them could. Then we have the prisoner, and it's not really in this account. We see they're there, but we know there was two of them. One of them was mocking Jesus, and the other one said, no, 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 no. This is, he is not like us. And he says, like, remember me, Lord, remember? And, and, and he says, no, you know what? You'll be with me in paradise. A prisoner whose life is marred by all bad things. So much so that he was sentenced to death. This wasn't someone who, like, stole some fruit. This wasn't Aladdin, you know, or something like that. You know, where they, he's stealing bread to feed him some family or whatever. Aladdin didn't have family. He had a monkey, though. Um, so, but this wasn't like that. These were people who were sentenced to death. And Jesus saw them, saw his change of heart. And, and what was the result? He says, you're going to be with me in paradise. It's real simple. It's very simple. And yet, it is the most difficult thing ever because it means to, to die to yourself so that you can live forever with him. The prisoner, the thief, he recognized and he surrendered and he received salvation. It, it's up to us where we want to be. But one of the things we cannot do is we cannot pass the buck and think that we don't have to answer. Pilate, priest, they didn't think they have to answer. Even the prisoner... If he were to think he didn't have to answer, he'd end up in the same position he was at before. But we all have to come to that place where we say, what do we do with this Jesus on the cross? What do we do with the fact that he said he died for my sins? That means I have them. And that means I need a savior. And so what does it mean to, to come before that savior and humbly say, I surrender? Maybe that's you tonight. I don't know who's watching this. I'm sure I could know if I looked. <laughs> but it, it's, are you in that place of surrender? And it might not be surrender as unto salvation. Maybe you're already there. But to surrender afresh and anew. Let me tell you, if you're dealing with too much anxiety and fear, tonight is the night to surrender anew to the God who sees the beginning to the end. Who gets it all. We don't want to be Pilate. We don't want to be the priest. We want to recognize we are the thief on the cross. We are guilty. We are dead to rights. But we have found the place to turn, and it is straight to Jesus. 
This story is going to get even sweeter in three days. We'll see you on Sunday about that. But um, normally we would take communion at a time like this. Uh, well, I, we're not quite there with technology where we can offer it up and <laughs> through the, the screen. What I was going to say, I know a lot of churches are saying, gather your own elements for tonight. I thought it might be kind of late for that. But I would encourage you, if it's just you or you and your family, to, to take some elements, find anything close you can to this elephant's uh, ele elephants, elements. You got juicy juice and you got some Wonder Bread. Fine, that works, you know. But to get alone before the Lord and remember what Jesus did on that cross so many years ago. And, and remember that you needed saving. And we still do. But after he saved us, there's new life found in him. This is Friday. Sunday is coming. Recognizing Friday is important so that when we come to Sunday, we see that there is an ending to this that is far beyond anyone's imagination. Imagine that no one knew but God. The whole world, no one saw it coming. Jesus' disciples, who he told it was happening to, did not see it coming. The women, so they did not see it coming. And God wants to do things in our life and blow our minds by things we never saw coming. The first step for us, let's surrender. So we're gonna pray, and uh, we're gonna close out. We're gonna do another song of worship, or yeah, let's do another song of worship. We'll do musical chairs here with our all of our stuff, but let's pray. Lord, we just thank you, God, for, for sending your son to die on the cross for us. And we want to recognize what that means. That we are, we are now new creations in you. That the sin, and maybe Lord, just reveal, maybe reveal to us tonight, sometimes we grade ourselves a little too easily on the curve but that we are dead to rights, dead in our sin. And the only hope is found in you, Lord. So help us not to waste this day, this time. And if, if you're pricking our heart, if you're touching our heart, that we would respond with surrender. Because God, you're the one that, that plans things out perfectly well. We can't keep... We can't even think, keep anything going. <laughs> we, we're so flawed, but you're so good. So help us to trust you, to believe you, and to be blown away by your provision, to be in shock and awe of how good you are. So God, we pray that we would worship you, and you'd be honored and glorified. Lord, thank you so much for what you've done. We want to sing these songs to you with all of our heart, out of just hearts of thankfulness and gratefulness because you've been so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus.